Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday. I'm Anita Helm and this episode is being brought to you by Fordos Production. Tonight, episode 235 is Jesus Who. You ashamed here? See what happens up there. Now, I have to first start by thanking those of you that were in prayer for me for the weekend retreat uh, about sisters building each other up. I do so appreciate because the Lord worked mightily and I am just so grateful for what he did for not just myself, but all of my sisters that I was able to meet this weekend. And I am so grateful for you all in the prayers of the, the righteous available much. Now, this title came to me last week because before I was leaving for the weekend, I understood something about when people find that they are ashamed, and I'm going to give you the definition of ashamed, but when you feel ashamed or embarrassed about something, you tend to hide and run away and you don't want people to know. But I thought about what about Jesus Christ? And you would probably say there are not many examples of people who love the Lord who would find themselves being embarrassed or ashamed of Jesus. But I'm going to show you a few examples that that can be the case. And even this modern day Christianity that we have now, we still find that there are times where people aren't very forthright about loving Jesus Christ. And there are some consequences for that. And I just don't want you to see that it's Christ himself, but also the word of God. And I'm going to show you in the scripture tonight that God says, if you're ashamed of me and my words, that he's going to be ashamed of you. The son of man will be ashamed of you when it comes to being in front of his father. And we don't want that. And there are a lot of things are happening in the last days where people are going to have to give an account. And I wanted to remind us of the story that I remember my husband um, saying sometimes. He used to say, remember um, this one, Pam, you may remember this, that somebody comes into the church and they have this weapon and they tell he's going to kill all the Christians. And he wants to see everybody who's serious about Christians because he wants to see them up front. And everybody flies out of the church in fear. But some stay. And, you know, it was not a joke in this time where all the guns and all the violence, but it was like, oh, I just wanted all the people who were sincere to be here and all the fake ones to be gone. Well, that sounds like a funny joke, but in reality, there will come a time where we may not have the ability to be in safety when it comes to those of us who believe in the word of God. All around the world, there are people who are risking their lives and their families' lives just to have a Bible, just to speak the word of Jesus Christ to an open community. They could be killed. And so the reality is what we have easy and that we don't have to worry about any kind of issue of us being killed because of Christianity. We don't know what day this is going to be leading to because the last days are getting more serious and more violent and people are coming against even the believers in Jesus Christ because Satan wants to kill us all. Steal, kill, and destroy. So I wanted to start off by reading a couple of foundational scriptures. So the first one is coming out of Philippians chapter two, verse 10, Philippians chapter two, verse 10. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth. So that's talking about his name. I now want to go to revelation, the last book of the Bible, where it talks about the prophecy where John at Patmos is going to talk about the prophecy. So I'm going to read chapter 22 so we can have an appreciation of what's going to happen 
in heaven. And what we're going to see that when the new earth and a new Jerusalem and all those things where Christ is coming soon is talked about, there's a piece in there that says, because I want you to understand, God says, if you're ashamed of me and my words, and God is going to say, even when it comes to this scripture, the holy inspired scripture, that if you even change, manipulate parts of the word of God, his prophecy, that's a curse associated with. And some people don't even want to hear the word of God. They're embarrassed when people start talking about the Bible, when people start talking about Jesus Christ, open it and say, oh no, can you tone it down? So in chapter 22, it says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were from the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Now here's this passage about Jesus coming. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. So there's going to come a time people are going to be ashamed, but God is saying here in Revelation 22, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Here's the operative verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. 
If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the book, this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Now, what does the word ashamed actually mean? Because when we get to Luke, it's going to talk about ashamed. So I want to see a couple of definitions about this adjective called ashamed, which some people may say embarrassed or guilty because of actions, characteristics, or associations. Here's some similar words for ashamed. You're sorry, shamefaced, abashed and sheepish, guilty, conscious, stricken, guilt-ridden, contrite, remorseful, repentant, penitent, regretful, apologetic, embarrassed, mortified, red-faced, chagrined, humiliated, uncomfortable, discomfited, distressed in sackcloth and ashes. When it comes to you and I and our relationship to Jesus Christ and his word, the Bible, the scriptures, the holy prophecy of all 66 books, is it even, can you contemplate, can you comprehend a time where any person that says they love Christ would be mortified, embarrassed, red-faced to talk about Jesus or the word of God? Yeah, I'm going to show you some examples. And I want you to see those examples because even when people deny hide, embarrassed, those kind of things. Doesn't mean you can't repent and be restored, but I want you see, to see situations where it's happened in the Bible and the Bible shows it. So if the Bible is showing examples in the New Testament where Christ is walking with these people and they got embarrassed and they felt there was something they needed to hide why would you think that it's impossible to think that any of us as believers in Christ wouldn't find ourselves in a predicament under pressure to say, ah, you know, when they starting to say, who's Christian in here? Maybe a promotion is going to be on the line. Maybe your life is going to be on the line. Maybe a relationship is going to be a line on the line. Are you willing to say, I'm going to stand for Christ no matter what? Because in the examples that we may see, that may not be the case. But let's get into this examples of being embarrassed. Let me show you just a handful of scriptures about the word embarrassed or ashamed. I'm going to say the word ashamed because that's the word that you're going to see in these scriptures. Genesis 2 verses 25. In the Garden of Eden, Christ has just made Adam and he also has Eve. But he makes a point to say before sin, they were in their nakedness, how he has all of our bodies. When they come out as a baby, he has those bodies without clothes on, but they were not sinned. They were not feeling any shame or ashamed before sin. But after sin in Genesis three, they're going to find that those bodies that are naked and they have that knowledge of good and evil that they feel so ashamed of those bodies that they're seeing, that they had been seeing, that they hide, they blame, they don't want to be in God's presence. So verse 25 says, 
And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. But in chapter three, in the cool of the day when the Lord is coming, where they weren't ashamed before, they became ashamed and they hid. And you cannot imagine that you had such a close, intimate relationship with the Lord Almighty that sin drove them to being ashamed and embarrassed and hid themselves. And when you can get a situation of sin and you're in a sin nature and you're operating in your flesh so much that you'd run away from the word of God and you run away from Christ himself. Here's another example about being ashamed. Now, setting up this second Samuel chapter 10, verse 15, a king in Ammon had just died and David wanted to do something to show comfort to the son of the king. But the people who were his advisors said, David's not sending these servants to be a comfort. He's coming to spy out the city. So let's do something that's going to, to shame and embarrass these men that are coming from the nation of Israel. And when you shaved a man's beard, like they did, the men that came, they were embarrassed. They were ashamed to the point that when David heard about it, he said to those men, y'all stay here in Jericho and let your beards grow back before you have to come back home. But they were ashamed. It says here in verse 15, when it was told David, he sent to meet them. For the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, he said it out of his own mouth because he's the one that sent them. He said, remain at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. That was such shame. Jeremiah 8, 12. Now I'm using the word ashamed because when God, Jesus Christ uses that expression, it's been used all throughout the Old Testament. And I don't think we think about shame when it comes to Jesus Christ because we're openly Christian nation to some extent, but there are some times where you're in some situations, even at work, at workplaces these days, you can feel uncomfortable by admitting you're a Christian. I'm always grateful. And I guess very, um, surprised at how even the Catholic faith, when I see on Ash Wednesday, and I see that some people are coming on TV and they have their cross, their ashes on their forehead. And I said, that is so wonderful that they're willing to profess to the world. I have just come from a service where I want to show you openly about my faith. I'm not ashamed of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to be reminded of what he did for me on the cross. Jeremiah eight twelve says, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. That's what you can do when you are embarrassed, red faced. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Now let's go to Christ in Luke chapter nine, verses 18 to 36. The Lord is going to talk to them and ask them who do men say that they, that he is. And he's going to ask, who do you guys say that I am? Peter's going to give the revelation of you are the Christ. And he's going to say, I don't want you to say that. But then I want you to understand and know that Peter is the very one who says who Jesus is. He admits it. But then you're going to see 
that Christ is going to foretell his death and say what's going to happen. He's going to talk about the scripture that is the foundational scripture for whoever is ashamed of uh, me and my words of him. Will the son of man be ashamed in front of his father, basically. But then I want you to think about this. Peter is also the very one who's at the Mount of Transfiguration. But Peter, after the Lord tells him, you're going to deny me. He finds that even before he's gotten days away from the discussion of saying you are the Christ, that he's in front of people saying, I don't know him. He is thinking about his life and his safety. And even with that small pressure where he just said, I'll die for you. Everybody else is going to flee. But he gets to the point after walking with Christ to say, I don't know him. No, I'm not one of them. Now, if it can happen to Peter, who said to Christ, you are the Christ, and he's at the Mount of Transfiguration, and he says, let's make pillars. I want you to wonder, can it happen to us? Can we get under such a, a situation where we have that kind of pressure that we want to say, I'm ashamed of Christ. I don't want to recognize him. I'm embarrassed. I don't want people to know. Don't say it's impossible because if you see the examples we're going to see tonight, it happened to Peter. He denied Christ. That's something we all know. And we're getting ready to celebrate Easter and we're going to have these discussions riding up to the crucifixion. But this is one of the things that happened before the crucifixion. One of the chief disciples denied him, was too ashamed, embarrassed, afraid, whatever the word you want to describe, he was ashamed to claim Jesus. Yes, he was restored. Yes, he repented bitterly. He wept bitterly because he realized he did it too. That's why I said we all have to be understanding that in our flesh, we have to crucify those deeds of the flesh, but we have to also recognize that it could happen. Some of the things that we say, oh, it would never happen. Don't get puffed up. Because he says, he tells us in this story here. Let's start at verse 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered John the Baptist, but others say Elijah and others that one of the prophets of old is risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. Now look who he's being rejected by. They don't want to acknowledge him. They don't want to recognize him. He's not the one. They don't believe it. They don't want anybody to think it. rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In order to have that relationship, denying yourself means that under pressure, you're still willing to follow. Under pressure, you're willing to deny whatever comes against you and still follow. Even though it may mean you're going to lose a job because you're going to say, I don't believe that I'm not going to be able to go to worship any Sunday from now on. You're going to take a stance. You're going to take a stance sometime to say, I'm not going to do that because that goes against my faith. 
I'm going to deny myself at the consequence of whatever it may be, because I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to hold up the cross daily in what I believe. In verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? In some cases, loses or forfeits his soul. Verse 26 is right there. For whoever is ashamed of me. Why does he bring that up? He says, you know, you can gain the whole world, lose your soul, lose your, you know, forfeit yourself. But why does he right here put... For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Now, I said in the title, if you're ashamed here, what's going to happen up there? So you're too ashamed to be in in, in this this natural realm to say that you'd love and trust God. You believe in God. You have a faith in God. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in his word. that is true. You're living by it. Not a, none of us is perfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but in your heart of hearts, you are working as thus saith the Lord to have an honest and true and faithful relationship with Christ. Or are you doing it? in front of some, but then in front of others, you want to say, no, I don't want to be, I'm not really part of that. That's somebody else. That's their thing. That's not my thing because you're embarrassed. And then Christ is going to say, well, when you come up in my kingdom, when it's time, when that revelation 22 is coming, are you going to think that I'm going to stand up and say, you're one of mine? Because when you were down there, Jesus, who? I don't, I'm embarrassed. I don't know him. That's not my, that's not my thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you to be religious. I'm saying, are you claiming him here openly or you're embarrassed? And you may say, how could you say that? There's not people that are Christians that do that. Didn't we just learn about Joseph of Arimathea? He was afraid to be open about his discipleship because of the Jews. Nicodemus came at night in John three. Because he did not want people to know he was following after Christ. He didn't want people to know he wanted to get answers from Christ and hear from Christ. So I'm not making up that Peter denied. I'm not making up that Joseph of Arimathea was a hidden disciple. I'm not making up about Nicodemus. I'm not even making up that at the crucifixion, when all of the disciples scattered because Christ said they're going to scatter, strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered. They scattered because of fear. They were ashamed to be caught with him because they were afraid and they didn't want to die. And guess what? I'm going to show you a passage too, where he sent out 70. Where did those two by two 70 people go? If the disciples, the main 11, because Judas has already killed himself, hung himself, are scattered. Where did the 70 go? Why were they not there? They seem to be a little ashamed and embarrassed and denying. So you think that it's impossible in the 21st century that we can find that people are embarrassed of who Jesus Christ is under the right circumstances and embarrassed about the Bible, what the Bible speaks of? How could you believe that Bible? It's out of date. How can you believe that Bible? Don't you know our laws say that we can have this and that? Don't you know our laws say this? Well, the Bible says God's word is true. 
What are you going to say when your job is on the line, when your promotion's on the line, when that thing that you've wanted all your life is on the line and they're like, I would do, I would give you that, but you know, you believe you're one of them Christians. And you're like, um, no, I don't believe all that stuff. They say, I don't believe all of it. I just believe some of it. What do you say about Revelation 22? Are you taking something away from what God said? Don't touch. Don't be taking nothing away. Don't add to it and don't subtract from it. So what are you doing when you start compromising one scripture at a time? Because God says, if you are ashamed of me and my words, he didn't just say him. He said me and my words. And the day is coming where people are going to be more and more uncomfortable about the Holy Scriptures of God. Now, here's this other piece. But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took up with him, Peter, John and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. Now, here's the thing I want you to see in the Mount of Transfiguration. God will not allow his son or his son's word, which is effectively the words from the father to ever be compared or denigrated. So when you saw at the beginning in Philippians 2.10, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Peter was saying something of putting the two that he saw up on the mountain of transfiguration. He thought it was Moses and Elijah. He was putting them on comparable levels to the son of man, God, God's only son, Jesus. And the Lord himself had to speak through a cloud to shut that down. You will not put in any kind of comparison, my son to anybody. He, he had to shut it down because they were doing something that even God says, oh, that's a no, no, you, you can't even go there. My son and his words are on a plane all by themselves. That's why that Angels told John, get up. I'm a servant just like you. I have to serve the Lord God. You, you're not bound to me. No, we only bow to one. Only bow to one. And that's Jesus Christ. It says here, and he was praying as he, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which we, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. He didn't understand how offensive, how wrong, how out of order he was to even make such a statement to say that the three of them were on equal planes, that they could have a tabernacle built, a tent built, as though they all were equal and worthy of that. He had turned himself outside in so the deity could show. He took off the flesh and had the deity showing because of the glory that was there. And they had the, Peter had the crazy thought to say, when the presence of God is showing himself in full deity, hey, let's get tents that make all y'all three equal. 
He didn't know what he was saying. And then it comes here that Lord has to correct him. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Now, I can't read all of this because of time, but out of Luke 10 verses 1 through 23, what happened to those that he sent out? He sent out 72, but when it was time for the crucifixion, when it was time for the upper room in Acts Acts, uh, 2, where were all these people? After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, now here he's about to talk about people who reject the 72 and the actual teaching about Christ and his coming and all of is about. And Christ says something about if they reject, it's going to be worse for them than it will be for the actual judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I just want you to have that appreciation. And he's also, I meant Sidon, Tyre and Sidon. So here we go. It says, and he said to them, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and to send out laborers into this, his harvest. Go your way, behold, I'm sending you out as, as lambs in the midst of wolves. That's why I'm telling you, there will be times that the wolves will demand that we lambs keep our mouth shut about Jesus, keep our mouth shut about the Bible, keep our mouth shut about our beliefs if we want to survive because the wolves are ones that devour. Carry no money bag, no knapsacks, no sandals and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Do you remember that Revelation 22? I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And now these disciples, 72 of them going out two by two are saying the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever now he didn't use the word of shame, but he's talking about rejection. He's talking about people having the opportunity to hear the truth. He's saying the kingdom of God is near you. These people have in their mouths the teaching of what Christ is sending them out two by two. People that are receiving training to the point that God is sending them out. Jesus Christ is sending them out. But what happens when they all disappear? But whenever you enter a a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. 
I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day for Sodom than for that town. And here's another set of woe unto the unrepentant cities. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethesda. For if they, if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sodom, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sodom than for you and you, Capernaum. Will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. This is because of rejection, because they didn't want to receive Jesus or his words. They're not even getting it. He's telling them exactly. You have rejected as a city, as a people. I sent two by two, 72 people out so that you'd have the opportunity to hear. But you rejected. You shall be brought down to Hades. What's going to happen up there when the reflection of where you were behaving down here, ashamed, don't want to have anything to do with Jesus or his words. Don't want to have anything. So when you get up to heaven, it will not be a surprise. It will not be a surprise. It should not be a surprise that if you didn't want to recognize Jesus Christ down here, you didn't want to bow down here. You're going to bow, but you also are going to be sent down to Hades, hell, lake of fire, because he's not having you who is embarrassed to him. You, you remember what the scripture said? He said it clearly. Whoever is ashamed, you ain't got nothing to do about Jesus now because you only bothered. You ashamed of him down here and my words of him. That's the whoever of him. Will the son of man be ashamed when he comes into his glory? And we know what glory he's got talking about because he turned himself outside, inside out at the transformation, at the transfiguration. On the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John got to see his deity shown. Well, when he comes into his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels, he's going to say, I know who wasn't ashamed. I know who didn't reject. I know who was unrepentant when it came to loving me, wanting to bow down to me, wanting to pray to me, wanting to tell people about me. Now, here's what happens in verse 16. Then one who hears, the one who hears, you hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Was that not clear? Because he's going to know the rejection down here. He's going to reject you up there in front of the father and the holy angels. So he's making it plain. You're not just rejecting me. You're rejecting the one who sent me, which is the father. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm trying to show you myself and my word and tell you the kingdom of God is near. But you're saying you don't need me. You don't want me. You don't have to have nothing to do with me. You ashamed of me, even though in front of certain people, you act like you all Christian and lovey, loving the Lord and all that stuff. But in the reality, in the privacy of those people that you care more about, who's Jesus? Jesus who? Jesus, Jesus who? Christian what? Bible? Why, why that Bible in your car? Oh, I just keep it there. Why is it? Oh, that's my mama's. Oh, that's my sister. She left it in. I ain't, I ain't got nothing, nothing to do with no Bible. Really? The return of the 72 in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy 
saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I want you to understand something. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan did not want the praise and the glory to be with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He wanted it for himself. And there are people who want the praise and the glory for themselves and not Jesus and not his word. And even some of our congregations, the people in titles and leadership are focused more on themselves to get the puffed up praise for themselves instead of recognizing that their knees have to bow. All of our knees have to bow. All of our tongues have to confess Jesus Christ is Lord, not a building is Lord, not the building's shepherd is Lord because he's an under shepherd to Christ. We're lifting up Christ. If I be lifted up, I will draw men. He didn't say if the bishop, if the pastor, if the this, all these titles, the Pope is not who we're going to bow down to. All these titles that we have, all these positions, all these things that we're puffing up. It's only Jesus Christ and his word in Revelations 22. The Alpha and Omega is not anybody like us. We are not God. We are the children of God. We are the servants of God. We are part of the branches. He's the vine. But if we can't get that straight down here and we get like Adam and Eve, where we have the presentation of truth and love. And then when we start to sin, all of a sudden we're embarrassed and we're hiding and we're afraid. And when God comes, we're like, Oh no, no, I, 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 I no, 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 I, not yet. Not me. Not me. It's her. She made me do it. What's going to be your excuse for why you are ashamed of Jesus down here? Why you are ashamed of his word down here? What's your excuse? Because he's going to say this, like, uh, the dust falling off of those cities and it being something against them. You heard and you know better. Now we're going to Jesus's rejoicing in the father's will continuing on in that same I skip, let me jump back over here. Verse 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's going to acknowledge you in heaven. He's not going to say, I don't know you. He's going to have you in the Lamb's book of life because you love him. You're not ashamed of him down here. You're not ashamed of his words. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the son is except the father or the father who is except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Now, we who say we love Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has wooed us, has has touched our hearts to say, I yield, I surrender, I repent. I believe in Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me my sins. I want to be a part of your family. I want to acknowledge you that you're my Lord and Savior. I want to go and evangelize. I want to do what you say in Matthew 28. I want to tell people about it. But if we find that we are playing games, one day we're loving Christ. The other day, we don't even want anybody to know that we're Christians. 
That's being double-minded and unstable in all your ways. That's also finding yourself, instead of being cold or hot, you're lukewarm. And God said he'll spew you out of his mouth because he'd rather that you be cold or hot. But lukewarm, no. Because some days you'll have some confidence in Christ and other days you'll be ashamed of him. You can't have it both ways. You have to make a decision now in this realm. Do you love Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? Is your name in the book of life? Has Christ revealed himself to you to the point that you're saying, I am willing to deny myself and whatever pressure comes my way, I'm going to believe God because we see an example here around the fire. Peter denied, but he got restored. He got restored because he realized exactly what Christ called him out to say. The issue was that he would have Jesus was right. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea after Christ died openly revealed we are his disciples. They were covering up at first. And sometimes Christians do that. But you got to repent and understand that you have to openly acknowledge Jesus Christ down here. Love him down here. Proclaim him down here. Because you don't want to get in front of the Father. And Jesus says, didn't I hear you say Jesus who? You were ashamed of me down there. I'm ashamed of you up here. Go on down. Go on down because you're at the white throne judgment. You ain't even at the judgment for the people that are going to be here with God. You're at the white throne judgment and you are going down to the lake of fire with Satan who thought he didn't want to acknowledge me. He didn't want to understand my word and my truth either. So you go on down with them because the Lord will allow forgiveness and he does allow forgiveness, but he's not going to allow you to play games with his son. Play that you love his son, play that you love his word because he knows, he sees, he hears, he knows whose heart is after him and who's playing games. So you can do Jesus who all you want to, but even those who are playing the who game of Jesus who, you're going to bow. You're going to bow. You're part of the every knee. Every knee. Your knees are going to be included. Every knee will bow. You may die beforehand and God going to get you back up and he's going to say, well, in this time of life, you, you thought you thought you were cute that you weren't going to bow, but you're going to bow now because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I just tell you, as we get ready to go through another Easter, another Good Friday, you can pretend Put your Easter bonnets on, put your Easter baskets and get all your candy stuff. But if you ain't thinking about Jesus Christ and all you thinking about the trappings of what Easter means, you have to understand you got to bow. We got to confess that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which is lost, which is us. And we have to be sincere in praising and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is. Praise God. Lord willing, I will see you next week. Keep on praying because there's work to be done. The harvest is right and plenteous, but the labors are few. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest to have more labors to go out into this vineyard. I love you. Praise God.